This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, um, I'm enjoying myself. I have to say I'm enjoying uh, this series. I'm enjoying studying it. I'm enjoying processing through it. I'm enjoying talking about it. I'm enjoying thinking about it. And I'm enjoying just reminding myself of all the good things that God has done to lay a foundation in our lives. How many are thankful for Jesus Christ? One of the things that I've been thinking about, because we've talked the last couple of weeks about this idea of vintage and all those foundational or forgotten values that we've been focused on. And one of the things that I keep coming back to is not only do people say that we're outdated, old-fashioned, and at times archaic, if I can throw another word in this morning, is there's a lot of people that would say we're intolerant. How many have ever heard that word? All right. Yeah, I, I find, personally, I find it intolerant that they think I'm intolerant. It's amazing to me that you can no longer disagree in our culture. If you disagree, you're a bigot. If you disagree, you're a hater. And then I think to myself, man, we're in the city of of higher learning. We've got three major uh, post-secondary education schools in our system, and what do they teach uh, our students in those educational systems? Critical thinking. Well, we don't have critical thinking anymore. It's just aligned thinking to culture, and if you don't align yourself to the thinking of culture, you're a bigot. It's the only conclusion that you can come to. Well, I want to say this morning, please be very, very comfortable with the fact that when you think like Jesus, you're going to think different. When you love like Jesus, it's going to be a love that no one else will ever have seen before. When you think like Jesus, it's going to be different than what you see on the news and what you hear from your friends, and it's going to be different than what's posted on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or all the other stuff. It's going to be different because a biblical worldview is so outdated in context to our culture. But I have news for you this morning. It's okay to think that way. And it's okay to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus and to stand up for the truth of God's word. It's okay. I release you from any pressure not to feel that way. Okay? I absolutely have no pressure whatsoever. I am not embarrassed or unashamed of anything when it comes to standing up for Christ. I have no problems with it. Now, what we cannot be is weird. And everyone said, all right, okay. God does not promote weirdness, but God does promote a genuine love and truth and compassion that is beyond what most people could ever fathom. And so once again, our vintage series, we're talking about this word vintage, uh, which literally means something characterized by excellence, maturity, and enduring appeal, something that is classic of lasting interest and importance. So today I'm actually going to talk about another foundational principle called loyalty. Are you ready? All right. Okay. 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 So loyal defined as having or showing complete and constant support for someone or something. Unwavering, faithful in allegiance. All right. I just got one quick verse, then I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Proverbs 3, verse 3 in the NLT says this, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Never let it leave you. Never let it go. Never take it off. Okay? Tie them around your neck, just in case you missed the first part. Okay? 
In case you did take it off, at the end of the first sentence, he said, now tie it around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. I have two questions for you this morning, and I want you to be honest, okay? I don't want you to, I don't want you to put up the, you know, your hand and think that I'm looking for something. I just want you to be honest, okay? So question number one, how many of you in this room right now would agree that disloyalty is a problem in our culture? Okay, the two people that didn't put up their hands are lying. Okay, everybody put up their hands. Okay, so we're just totally settled with that fact that disloyalty in our culture is a problem. How many wish our employers were a little bit more more loyal? How many wish the employees were a little bit more loyal if you're an employer? Okay, all right, good, all right. So how many of you in this room would say that for the most part you're a pretty loyal person? Okay, almost every hand in the room just went up. Okay, now we have a problem. Is anyone seeing the tension? We have a disloyalty problem, but thank, thank the Lord I just found out that this isn't it. <laughs> so I don't have to, we can just stop now. Let's go home and uh, let's forget about the rest of the message. Well, I honestly believe that your answer to the first question is, do you believe that, generally speaking, that we live in a disloyal culture, I would say yes. But your response to the second question proves key thought number one. Thank you very much for proving my point. You're very helpful. Key thought number one is this. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. Ouch. (laughs) It's very difficult to see because how many know that we judge other people by their actions and ourselves by our intentions, right? Well, yeah, you see what they did? You know how they hurt me? Do you know what they posted on Facebook? Blah, 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 blah. You know what it is? But I'll tell you, we judge ourselves by our intentions, and it creates a disconnect, and it creates an issue for us in our culture. One of the things that I've noticed and I've seen uh, in my own life is how much I think that I'm loyal And how much that I think I'm a friend or how much I think that I'm something worth being loyal about. But at times I struggle because I realize that every time something happens that I disagree with, the disloyalty button just starts checking off in our spirit. Well, how dare they? How dare they do that? How dare they say that? I I feel disrespected. But you have to understand that disrespect and disloyalty are two different things. Right? Right? Remember, Sandra shared a couple weeks ago that, that honor is given, respect is earned, right? Honor is given, but respect is earned. Well, there's two different things between disrespect and disloyalty, but I honestly believe that um, the best example of this problem in Scripture is a, a man who claimed to Jesus that no matter what happens, Jesus, I will always be loyal. No matter who deserts you, I will always be with you, and I will always stand up beside you, and I always will vouch for you. Who do you think this guy was? Peter. Peter. The one thing I've realized in my own life is that we're a lot more like Peter than we would ever admit. We are. So Matthew 26, verses 33 to 35, just a little passage of Scripture here, and I'm just going to give you um, just a little bit of this, of this story. It says in verse 33, Peter replied, even... If all fall away on account of you, I 
never will. How many have ever heard someone, a friend of yours, say the word never or always in everything that they say? Okay. How many does it just make you kind of get a little irritated? I never would do that. Oh, really? I always do that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. Um, says, I never will. Here's a disciple that was convinced that he was the most loyal person on the face of the planet. He actually votes for a couple chapters earlier. He votes for having a throne right beside Jesus, along with James and, or James and John. They're all vouching for how, where can we have our special seat in heaven, and Lord, where can we sit? We've got to be beside you because we're the most special ones of the bunch, right? Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You will be disloyal to me three times. Can you imagine being Peter, just living three and a half years? With Jesus, seeing all the miracles, seeing all the things that he's done, and being so excited to actually be with him and actually be a part of those miracles. Can you imagine that Peter's the only guy that walked on water? I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. I'd love to do that, and not in the middle of February. But I'd love to do that in the middle of July, when you actually looks like you're walking on water. That would be awesome. But here's a guy that was very close to Jesus. Went through everything with Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, actually, you're not just going to be disloyal to me once. Not just twice. But three times a lady. Woo! Oh, sorry, the song came back to me right there. Oh, whoa. I don't know what happened. Something, something just overtook me there. I'm sorry about that. Oh, okay. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. I will never be disloyal to you. And all the other disciples said the same. Yeah, yeah, we think what he said. Yeah, 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 what Peter said. First of all, you have to understand, when the other disciples are saying what Peter said, it usually means that he's the leader. So he was not only speaking for himself, he was speaking for the other 12, or the other 11. He was speaking for them. He was saying, listen, we're your posse, we got your back, no problem. And then literally within hours, boom, what happens? They all fled. The only one who came back, showed up at the cross, was John. Peter, where was he? Goes on in the story. Many of us know the rest of the story. Three different people asked him if, he knew, if they knew Jesus. If Peter knew Jesus, Peter said, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know the man. And then in Matthew 26, 75, he says this. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Disloyalty is very hard to find when looking in the mirror. It's very hard to find. Because what we don't understand is that disloyalty is such a massive part of our culture that because we live in this culture and because we're around this culture and because we're involved in the conversations that every one of you have week to week, whether it's with your neighbor, whether it's at your job, wherever it is, no matter what happens, we are absolutely surrounded by a culture of disloyalty. Would you not agree? So how do we fight against that? How, how, do, we, how do we be honest with ourselves, look in the mirror and say, you know, i got a disloyalty problem. Man, I unfriend someone on Facebook quicker than I can say my own name. Whatever it is for you, it can be a variety of different things. But we have to understand the very first step to discovering the problem is to look inward. To say, Lord, what areas of my life are disloyal. I don't know about you, but we live in a generation where disposable relationships are the norm. Uh, 
the one of the statistics that I used to do at John Howard Society, I used to do this this uh, seminar for people who were looking to you know start a new career. We had all these different uh, all this different information. We had a whole pile of stats, and the one that has always stood out to me that I never forget is the statistic from 1964, I believe it was, and it said this that. The, the question was, on what's the average length of time that an individual will stay in one career? And the, and the number was 28 years. Fast forward to 2006 when I did this seminar. And they asked a different question. They said, in this particular generation's lifetime, how many careers will they go through by the time they retire? And the answer was seven. What changed? What changed? Loyalty. We're not loyal to anybody. Because what, I don't know if you guys have read a lot about American politics, and I'm personally absolutely engrossed by that stuff. I love following along with it. I love the elections. Uh, Donald Trump just gives me joke after joke after joke right now. The guy, I don't even know how in the world that anyone in their right mind would ever even see him as a viable candidate. I have no clue. Maybe he's got the best comb over in, in the world, so that's what they're doing. I don't know. Let's just have one guy with a comb over, and then everything else is good. It kind of balances everything else out. But the one thing that they often talk about in the last two years um, is a policy called protectionism. It's basically, let's look inward for everything. Let's protect all of our own assets and interests so that no one can come against that. But this is exactly the very root of disloyalty. We become protectionist. We keep everyone else away. And we put up our walls and our barriers and we say, no, I'm okay here. The problem in essence is that the very loyalty that God wants to live out through your life is now shunned and barriered from the very people that God wants you to live in loyal relationship with. You say, how do we get over that? How do we deal with that? Well, my key thought, number two, which I, wanted, I want to talk about because I think this is incredibly important. Key thought number two, are you ready? Loyalty, true loyalty is proven not proclaimed. I've lost count how many people in our, in our culture right now, in our society right now, that have to constantly prove verbally that they're committed to you. Why do we do that? Because we know that there's an issue in our side of our hearts and we're really not, right? If you have to proclaim it, I have news for most of us, I don't think it's true loyalty. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. I'm going to, obviously we've already determined that everyone in here is basically a loyal person, so that's good to know. Um, But Proverbs 20 verse 6 says this, many claim to have unfailing love. One version says unfailing loyalty or faithfulness. But a faithful person who can find. It's about walking the walk, not just talking the talk. There's an incredible story. I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie 42. I'm not here to put a plug for the movie or anything like that. I'm a huge baseball fan, so I saw it. And uh, we actually saw it just recently. And there's a scene in this movie that has struck me uh, for this week's message. And, and, and I just, I actually ended up looking a little bit uh, more about it online and tried to find out some of the details around it. But for those that don't know the movie 42, it's based upon Jackie Robinson's life. For those that don't know Jackie Robinson, Jackie Robinson was the first black man to play in the major leagues for the Brooklyn Dodgers, um, originally played for their farm team in 1946 called the Montreal Royals, was called up to the Dodgers on April 15th, 1947. So every year in Major League Baseball, on April 15th, every single baseball player on any given Major League Baseball team 
wears the number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson. So if you've ever gone to a baseball game on April 15th or saw it, and you say, why are they all wearing the same number? Now you know. It's to commemorate uh, the first black player in the major leagues. Now on Brooklyn, for those who don't know uh, Jackie Robinson's background, he, when he played for the Kansas City Monarchs and he played for the Montreal Royals, uh, he was a shortstop and a very good one. Um, but there was an all-star shortstop for the Brooklyn Dodgers by the name of Pee Wee Reese. What a great baseball name. Pee Wee Reese. And there was, when the, the thought of the possibility of Jackie Robinson being called up to the Brooklyn Dodgers started happening, most, I don't want to say all, but there was a large majority of players on the Brooklyn Dodgers that wrote a petition, signed it, gave it to the manager to give to the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers to basically say, we refuse to play with a black player on our team. It's hard to imagine that was only 70 years ago. Isn't that crazy? That's just insane. Insane. But long story short, when they came to Pee Wee Reese and they said, would you sign this petition? He said, absolutely not. I'm not signing this, peti- this petition. And then he said, well, what happens if he takes your, your position? Because Jackie was a shortstop and Pee Wee Reese was a shortstop. He says, well, if he's a better man than me, then he can have it. That was his response. So, long story short, um, Pee Wee Reese's kind of family and his history was from the Cincinnati area. And about a month into their uh, first year together, and just so you know, Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson actually became very, very good friends very quickly. Uh, he was very supportive of Jackie, and it was, Jackie was very supportive of him. But um, their very first series that they played in Cincinnati, which was Pee Wee Reese's technically hometown, his family and friends were coming, and back in those days, whenever Jackie Robinson and the Brooklyn Dodgers showed up at a, at a different city, you can just imagine the vitriol that was being spewed at Jackie Robinson, the stuff that was going on, the, uh, you know, not being allowed to stay at a particular hotel that they had stayed at for years because Jackie Robinson was on the team, the stuff that was being literally told to him as he's coming out of the dugout onto the field. And it was beyond disgusting. I couldn't even imagine some of the stuff that he went through. But this opening series in Cincinnati was a very, very powerful moment because in the midst of the warm-up, just before they were going to toss the ball back to the pitcher to start the game, P.B. Reese drops his glove where he was playing at shortstop, and he walks across the infield diamond to where Jackie Robinson was standing. And while all of these people are yelling and screaming at, at Jackie Robinson and just yelling a bunch of racial uh, garbage at Jackie Robinson, He walks over to Jackie Robinson. He puts his arm around Jackie Robinson. And he just stands there for 10 minutes without moving. The crowd went silent. They didn't know what to do. They're like, that's our hometown boy siding with a black man in this era. How dare he do that? I have news for you today. Loyalty is proven not proclaimed. With that story, it's very interesting. The Brooklyn Dodgers obviously moved to Los Angeles. They're now the Los Angeles Dodgers, for those that don't know their baseball history. Um, But one of the New York Mets uh, farm teams, their single-A team, actually plays out of Brooklyn. And out front of their fairly new stadium, it's about 10 years old, outside of their stadium, there is a bronze statue with Pee Wee Reese with his arm around Jackie Robinson. It's immortalized for all of history to see one gesture of loyalty above anything else. Loyalty is proven, 
it's not proclaimed. Do you believe that this morning? There's another story in Scripture. I mean, that story gets me going anyway, but there's a story in the Bible that's incredible about this principle as well. It's the story of a soldier, a commander, and a king. And for those that maybe don't know a little bit of the history, I'm just going to give you a little bit of the history at the particular moment or the context to this story. King David's third son, his name was Absalom, and he had a problem. His problem was, number one, he was probably the most disloyal person to David and his kingdom that, was, that ever existed, and he was his son. That's a problem. One of the other problems was is Absalom wanted his throne. So when you're disloyal and you want something that you don't have, how many know that you're going to do anything you can possibly do to get it? And you'll use all means necessary to get it. Every game you could possibly think of being played, Absalom played in order to get King David, his father's throne. So long story short, Absalom had committed murder and was running for his life. And even though through this whole time, David was sending his love and his affection and his loyalty to Absalom and asking him to come back. Absalom ran for his life. About three years later, Absalom in that three-year process had gathered an army with the sole intention of coming back to Jerusalem to take David down and to take his throne. Talk about love. The whole three years, David is sending his care, his love, his loyalty, his concern to his son. We miss you. We want you back. Let's talk it over. Let's figure this out. I'm sure we can figure this relationship out because I want you as my son in my life. And Absalom's response is, I'm going to take three years and gather an army that's so big and so huge and so monstrous that we're going to come back and we're going to take David out. So David now, three years later, was running for his life. And this guy in the middle of 2 Samuel that I've never heard of before in my life, his name is Itai. What a great name. I feel like asking his parents, what were you thinking? Like, but in the middle of this story, they run into this guy named Itai who was not even a Jew. He wasn't for David and he wasn't for Absalom. As a matter of fact, he didn't really know anything about it. But David was kind to Itai and to his 600 men. And let's pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 19 to 20. It says this. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner and exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. And today shall I make you wander about with us? When I do not know where I'm going, go back and take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. What was David doing? David was giving this guy a way out. Listen, don't die with me. What are you doing? Why in the world would you fight with me? The chances are very good. You're not going to make it. And we're all going to die. Like, go ahead. I'm giving you a mulligan. Just go, go somewhere and take your 600 men with you because I want you to escape death. I want you to live. But watch his loyalty. Now, this guy has only known David for less than 24 hours. But in 24 hours, David has showed him such kindness and such faithfulness and such loyalty. Look at this guy's response after a 24-hour relationship. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. Now, I can understand this. If this guy had been on the run with David for three years, I could understand this if this guy was like, you know, one of the mighty men in David's army for a number of years, or if he was in the cabinet at the time in his kingdom, but it wasn't any of that. 
This was a guy that had experienced genuine, authentic loyalty for 24 hours, so was so mesmerized by it that the only thing he could do was give it back, even if it meant his life. Oh, could you imagine what our culture would be like if we were like that? That's mind-blowing. I think Facebook would shut down probably overnight. But anyhow, that's a whole other topic for another day. Um, and it goes on in verse, uh, sorry, verse 21 there. And what's amazing in that verse 21 is, again, that it was about loyalty was being proven, not proclaimed. Okay? So, another question. What in the world is disloyalty born out of? In other words, where does it come from? Well, my key thought number three, I think, explains it. All disloyalty, this is scripturally proven, all disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. A divided heart. There's an interesting quote that I had ran across in the couple, last couple of weeks, and it said this, whenever you counterfeit something, you cheapen the value of the real thing. Whenever you counterfeit something, you cheapen the value of the real thing. When we counterfeit loyalty... What we do is we create a paradigm for relationships that is so superficial that we've cheapened the value of long-lasting friendships and relationships. I don't know about you, the best relationships in my life are ones that have lasted. And I'm looking around this room, and I'm looking at certain people, and I go, you know what, 20 years from now, I certainly hope I'm still in your life and I'm your friend. And 30 years from now, I want to still be in your life. And 40 years from now, when the Leafs finally win the cup, And at 81 years of age, I'm walking down Young Street with my cane, celebrating in the parade. Joel, I want you beside me, my brother. (laughs) Wearing a Leaf jersey just for me. That's it. You too, Scott. I didn't let you go. That's right. But you know what? There's something that's so beautiful about relationships. There's something so beautiful about it. There's something about longevity that we're missing in our culture. But we we need to capture that again. We need to be... People of loyalty and a heart of faithfulness. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. We had uh, our first connect group this past week, and, and we had a great night, which was awesome. But uh, we had a chance just to spend some time with Jeff and Rachel after, and we had a great time with them. We love these guys. These guys have been here since day one. And we're so blessed that they're a part of this church. How many are blessed that the Evans clan is part of this church? But we got to the end, and we always take at least an extra two and a half hours at the front door before we leave. It's, just, it's, just, it's our history. It's our pattern. It's what makes our relationship so special. <laughs> we're standing at the door. And, you know, you try not to get all weird with each other, but it's like we started talking about, you know, just how much we appreciate one another. And, and then Sandra looks at Jeff and just says, you know what, I know that you would take a bullet for us. He's like, absolutely I would. And I thought to myself, that's kind of corny. But it's true, though. It really represents the heart and the feeling that we have for them and I know they have for us. And I keep thinking to myself, what things truly divide a relationship? And if you really look at what divides a relationship, in most scenarios, it's so ridiculously petty. Right? It's so ridiculously petty. And you go, that's silly. I mean, we're literally going to just break our relationship because of that. Okay. If that's what you want. 
But I go, why in the world have we created a, a paradigm of relationship that is so dependent upon how we feel or how the circumstances are going or if they all said the perfect things all the time? It's got to go deeper than that. It's got to be deeper. It's got to be a depth where Itai looks at David and says, you know what? I've only known you for 24 hours, but, man, the loyalty you've shown me, I'm going to just repay it. You don't have to do that. It could mean death. This could be the end of your life. That's okay. I'm going to do it anyway because there's something about you, David, that I want to follow. I don't know about you. There's a loyalty that's missing in our culture, but I believe that the church is rising up and is expressing the heart of loyalty to others. I honestly believe that we're going to be a lighthouse after a lighthouse after a lighthouse of all those people that are in messed up relationships and have no concept of how to fix it, and they're going to look at you and they're going to say, what in the world have you done different? And they're going to come to you and say, can you show me how it's done? Can you teach me what you've learned? And you're going to look at them and he says, you know, I've only got one thought I can really share. What's that? It's about loyalty. It. And my loyalty for you is not proclaimed, it's proven. Because at one point in my life, I had to look in the mirror and realize I was disloyal. And I came back to the fact that there's only one person that's ever lived on this planet that lived out authentic loyalty, and it was Jesus Christ. And once I met Jesus Christ at the cross, and he helped me to look in the mirror and see my issues of disloyalty, I started to no longer proclaim to everyone how loyal I was to them, and I just proved it. I just proved it. Because I want to live the rest of my life with, without a divided heart. I don't want to live with that. James, good book, James, by the way. Excellent writing. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 6. Although I'm still trying to figure out how you wrote it so many years ago and you still look that good. That's ridiculous. James chapter 1, verse 6. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. I have, if I can just do a little, throw in a little thought here. One of the things that that I've often talked about and discussed, Sandra and I've talked about this quite a bit, is how we use words to describe a relationship that's not true. And now what we've done is we've created a false relationship, and now we have to keep up the false relationship based upon the words we used. So, for example, I'm going to use, you know, a little cute little dating moment. How many know that when you're dating somebody, once you say the word, I love you, it changes everything? I like you. I really, really like you. You're just awesome. And then you say, I love you, and then everything changes. What happened? You just went to a whole other level of loyalty and friendship and faithfulness. You went to a whole, and then the promise ring comes, and it's like, woo and then you never know what's coming next. And then one day you're up at the top of the CN Tower in the restaurant. And then up, the next ring comes. And then it's the wedding day. And unfortunately, there's far too many people in this society right now that put words out into relationship that they truly either don't know the definition of it or they're creating a false sense of relationship which they don't really want anyway. And now they're living out a relationship that's divided. And then they're disloyal and people get hurt. Can I relate to anyone today? How many times we say something about a relationship that we don't really mean, but we say it because we feel pressure? Are we here today? How many people think that there's a lot of disloyal people in our culture? Okay, oh, here we go. <laughs> what do we do with that? What do we do with, with situations where we are 
if I can say it, we're keeping up appearances with certain people in order to protect a relationship that was never genuine to begin with. How do we deal with that? Here's how we start. Step one, look in the mirror, right? Key thought number one, look in the mirror and be honest. Be honest. I think the, the, I know this could create a mess, but I think one of the most important things we need to do is be honest with each other. If someone comes to you and says, I want to be your BFF forever, and you're not feeling comfortable with that, just say, BFF with someone else because I don't, no, I'm just not, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) The point is, is that we carry on a false image of relationships God never intended us to have. And now what we've done is we've created a divided heart over a relationship, which only leads to more pain, frustration, and disconnect. It's better that we're honest. Right? Are we good? Okay. Okay. Going on in James' book, which he wrote very, very well. In verse 8 of chapter 1, it says, Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they're unstable in everything that they do. Somebody came along in in, uh, the Gospels and asked Jesus this one question. And he basically said, he asked this question. He says, what is the most important commandment? So if you could just find one. What's the most important commandment that you can tell us as humans? And Jesus responded and said this. Some of you may have heard of it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. I remember singing a song with that in Sunday school back in the day. Had actions and everything. It's the only way we could remember the song, right? But what's that talking about? Be loyal. I wish I could say that at my, in times in my life that I understood this concept, but I can say I, I didn't. I wish I did. I wish I did. But many of us live with a divided heart towards the very things that God wants us to be loyal to. What areas could that be? Well, your spouse. Why is it that the divorce rate is almost the same in the church as it is in the world? Well, because we have a divided heart. What started the divided heart? A look, a thought, a conversation, and a mostly intimate conversation with a coworker you should have never had? What is it? I don't know. With a friend. Could be a friend. Could be church. It's always so hard as a pastor to talk about things related to church because I'm the pastor. But at the same time, we live in a culture where people don't stay in churches for, it's like every 1.7 years. Boom, there they go. Bless you. See ya. You know, and just kind of go, what, what's, what is it doing? It's creating a sense of disloyalty. Now, I'm not saying that you, can, you have to stay at this church for the rest of your life. All Senator fans, I, I'm a little debatable on that one. But um, <laughs> the point is, is this. Whenever we leave something or whenever we leave a friendship or whenever we leave a church, we should be blessed out. And we should feel a leading of the Lord. Not a, I don't like this and I'm leaving because the pastor keeps talking about the Leafs, and it drives me crazy. <clears throat> I complimented you about your book writing skills. <laughs> yes, I know. I need, I need deliverance from the Leafs. I think I do. I think I do. I've just come to grips with the fact that I have a problem. Hi, my name is Cameron. Thank you.
And it's been 48 years, three months, 17 days, 21 hours, and 16 seconds. Thanks. Thank you for that. Hold on. I need to. I just got a word from the Lord. I'm surprised the Maple Leafs have a website. They usually have trouble stringing three W's together. We are no longer BFFs. I now have a divided loyalty against you. I cannot even look at you. I don't even care about the mirror. I'm not even going to look at you. (sighs) But if I can declare this this morning in church, I don't know if any other pastor has ever said this in church before, but there's far too many uh, Taylor Swift Christians in church that every time God comes and speaks to their heart, they just shake it off, shake it off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was for you. (laughs) Uh, Or when we declare to God that we are never, ever, ever getting back together. You know what I'm saying? There's far too many, far too many Taylor Swift Christians out there. But here's what I want to end with. Are you ready? She's like... (laughs) Oh, I tell you. We need to get Taylor Swift saved is what we need to do so she can stop shaking it off and live for Jesus. Anyhow, all right, I want to end with a verse. James, again, thank you, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Here's the key. Here's the key. Come close to God. Because when you come close to him, you're changed by him. And when you come close to him, You get a hold of the very declaration Jesus declared to that man in the book of Matthew. That if you can come close to me, I'm going to teach you how to love somebody with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Because right now there's some people that are loving people with all their heart, but not all their mind. And there's some people that are loving people with all their mind, but not their heart. And it creates a disconnect. Why? Because there's divided loyalty goes on and says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. It doesn't say he think about it. He says he will. Just come close to God. Some of you are in this place this morning, you just felt like people in the church, and God in particular, you've been feeling like you've been disloyal to you. I have news for you today. God is never disloyal. We may not understand his ways sometimes, but he's never disloyal. But I will say this, his people are. His pastors are. His leaders are, his Christians are, his, his, his volunteers are. They are because we're human and we still have issues of divided loyalty. But don't make a decision on God based upon his creation. Make a decision on God based upon himself. Amen? And help us become better. Love me with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, no matter what team I cheer for. And then it's going to be good. It goes, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. When we come close to God, we should experience and see his goodness. And in contrast, we're going to see areas where we're not quite loyal. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.